What's good, everybody, and welcome to Buddy Bag Podcast. I'm Chris Thomas, and with me, as always, Broke Writer Dave. Hey, how are we doing, everybody? So today, we are uh, doing things a little bit different. Because we always, you know, complain about how things should be different in movies. So today... Hollywood needs to we're have making us our own writing scripts. We need to write the scripts, Hollywood. Yeah, let me in the Screenwriters Guild, everybody. We, right? we make box office gold just by spitballing various ideas of what should have happened in various movies. Yes, now we're about to share a little, little niblet of that gold with you guys. So the stipulations being we take movies from season one or movies that we've already reviewed and we give each other's stipulations what we want the other to rewrite it as. So for instance, Dave, what is your rewrite and what's the movie? And I will tell what I wanted you to rewrite it as. The movie is 13 Ghosts. Which I liked a little bit better than, well, you love the movie, but I liked it if it wasn't for some of the kids. And I wanted you to write that. I was like, you know what? To make this, uh, well, more entertaining for me, I wouldn't necessarily say it would be more entertaining as a movie, but I wanted you to write it as a Happy Madison, Adam Sandler movie. Yeah, which wasn't a small change. Completely changed the genre of the movie, but I feel like I have a pretty decent movie here. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to mine after, I guess since I just introduced yours, you want to go ahead and we'll start with your rewrite and then we'll introduce mine and I'll talk about my rewrite. All right, we could do that. All right, so from... Happy Madison and the brilliant mind of Adam Sandler. We have 13 ghosts. Okay, so obviously there's a lot of recasts in this movie. Yes. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and guess. Uh, Kevin James is going to be in there somewhere? Yes. Uh, Rob Schneider? Yep. Uh... Well, those are the two go-tos. Um, he obviously yeah. has to have a hot lead. But, uh, sorry, I'm already writing it in my head. Go ahead and t- tell me who, who's who. All right, so Adam Sandler plays Monk's character. And instead of having a teenage girl and a kid boy son, they have twin boys played okay. by the Sprouse twins that were in Big Daddy. Oh, from Big Daddy, okay. Yeah. Uh, his wife, played by Selma Hayek. Yeah, he has to have sense. a hot wife. So is it like as if it's being made in 2001, 2002? So like Selma Hayek from 2000? Because I would imagine that those twins would be like 20-something now. Yeah. All right, so... Here I have them being at like 11 years old, so... Okay, okay. Uh, I have Kevin James playing the part of the lawyer. Oh, okay. And then I uh, recasted Matthew Lillard's character for Rob Schneider. Of course. And do you have one of his random friends as one of the 13 ghosts? We'll, we'll get there. Oh, we'll get there. I'm sorry. I, I'm already yeah, I'm excited to yeah. hear about this. So uh, I kept the character who plays Uncle the same. Okay. Just for shits and giggles. You need to have so one serious character for everybody yeah. else to... So it basically starts out similar. There's a house fire and the house is destroyed. And then they're living in this small apartment in New York. And then his uncle mysteriously passed away. Like I took out the scene where they captured the ghost and you see him die. Mm-hmm. So he passes away and they inherit his house. So they get to the house and they see that this big, amazing glass mansion... All right, so, you know, they sign the paperwork, get to the house. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they get to the house, they're getting ready to sign paperwork on, uh, like, a glass table. Mm-hmm. Kevin James takes his briefcase, throws it on the glass table, it breaks. 
of course. She's, yeah, it's Kevin James. Of course, he's going to break something. So. Got, got to have a little bit of slapstick in there. Either yeah. That or he had to have sat on something and it breaks or something. Yeah. And then from there, you got Rob Steiner's character trying to sneak in. They're like, what are you doing here? He's like, well, there's ghosts in the basement. And they're like, no, there's not. And so when they finally meet the ghosts, they are just ghosts from like previous Adam Sandler movies. That's also that's actually Adam Sandler. That's actually brilliant. Just uh, from old Adam Sandler movies, people just dead yeah. people. Who, yeah, who, who, who and, do we got? Uh, you got like Bobby Boucher from The Water Boy. Mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. Yeah. <laughs> Happy it's Gilmore, just... Billy Madison. Yes! You ain't cool unless you pee your pants! Little Nicky. It's just, so all the ghosts are Adam Sandler? Yeah. That, <laughs> you have to have him as Jill from Jack and Jill in there. No, 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 you're getting fat up and your hair doesn't realize it needs to cover more face. Well, well, she that got Jack and Jill. Oh, was, so are they then, both yeah. in there? Yeah. Oh, I guess this movie would have to take place nowadays then. So. Yeah. I mean, it's Fantasyland, so. Actually, you know, it'd be awesome. Like all of these, because I was gonna say they're all ghosts, and they're all from movies of his that bombed. <laughs> it's with with uh, all of his known characters. So. And who who did you say that Rob Schneider was in all this? Uh, he was uh, Matthew Lillard's character, the one who <laughs> oh, yeah. points out the ghost could see him. Because I was about to ask but, which, which one is he in, of the ghosts. You have all these Adam Sandler ghosts and then one ghost that says, you can do it. No, but he is uh, very much similar to his got- character in Waterboy where he's just like, oh, yeah, there's ghosts. Don't go down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these ghosts aren't like scary now that they're getting out. They're not, you know, killing anybody. It's more causing minor inconvenience. They're more annoying people. Yeah, like Kevin James gets tackled by Bobby Boucher into a shelf full of things. Gets teabagged. Yeah. And I was like, my, my, my mama said you were the devil. <laughs> and then while Adam Sandler's taking a shower, you got Happy Gilmore hitting him with golf balls. You know, I can see all of this <laughs> actually as happening. Like, I can, I, I could imagine, well, I mean, Adam Sandler did Hubie Halloween, which was uh, last, not la- was it last Halloween that that came out? Hubie Halloween. I'm not sure. Like but, I know what you talked about, I just haven't seen it. But I can imagine him doing a haunted house just like this, and exactly what you're saying. Just like all the ghosts are more like annoying people rather than like yeah. actual. Like you got little Nikki going up to the kids and be like, "Popeye's chicken is a shit." I'm trying to feed him chicken. To a lot of people, that would be a haunted house. Just nothing but Adam Sandler. Yeah. So, as this chaos ensues, 13 ghosts they have the machine, like the Eye of Hell, to see into the future, mm-hmm. which required 13 ghosts. In this one, it's called The 13's. Ascendant, which, <laughs> which helps thir- yeah, 13 ghosts ascend into the afterlife. Mm-hmm. So, kind of like instead of keeping these ghosts captive and using them for their own gain, they're trying to help them out get to the afterlife. Now, ha- have the little... Uh, is there a uh, housekeeper character with them? No. No housekeeper this time. Yeah, I figured. Well, she didn't you really lose s- your house. Yeah, you lose she- your house of fire and you lose in a small apartment. Yeah. You probably can't afford one. Yeah, she didn't really serve much of a purpose anyway in the in the movie. Yeah, so I just got rid of that character entirely. Okay, and, and what, then- what are the uh, what are the kids doing when all this is going on? Uh 
I mean, basically running around the house, causing havoc along with the ghosts. Oh, so did they? Are they like cool with the ghosts being like this? Yeah, they kind of just get along with them. Okay. And uh, basically, what happens is they find out that the Senate needs thirteen ghosts and realize there's only twelve. And that's when you find out that his wife actually died in the fire. Mm-hmm. But he just kind of held on to her memories so tight that he's just been talking to her spirit. She was, once again, the 13th ghost. Mm-hmm. And everyone kind of thought they were going crazy because he's the only one who sees her. Oh, so he'd been seeing her even before going to this place. Yeah. And you find out his uncle never died. This is actually just kind of a ruse to help him get his wife to afterlife. Kind of help him let go and move forward with his life. Oh, so he's not evil? Yeah, no, he's not evil. He's just, you know, trying to help out his nephew who went through something dramatic, you know? Uh-huh. So why did so why did he need 13 ghosts? It was just to help them all pass over or something? Yeah, help them all pass over. So like I guess he I guess three. he collected like wayward spirits and then is using it. To, I guess he's like a ghostbuster. Yeah, basically like going around finding wayward spirits who never found their way to the afterlife to help them pass over while helping out his nephew's wife pass over to the afterlife. And I guess at the end he finally is able to let her go. Yeah. You see, like that's an, an I think you actually wrote. If it wasn't Adam Sandler and it was, well, you know what? Even if it was Adam Sandler, I could actually see this as you could do something with this and make it an actual legit comedy. Like, yeah. kind of like you said, they're ghosts that like to mess around. It makes me think of the three uncles from Casper. Oh, man, that is a blast from the past right there. Yeah. Ones that don't, don't necessarily kill people, but they go and they just like freak people out and annoy them and all that. Yeah. But I could imagine that. And I just love the idea of all the ghosts being like old Adam Sandler movies, especially if they're like they're supposed to be annoying ghosts, and they're all the ones of his movies that bombed. Yeah, <laughs> like you'd see like Jack and Jill being in there. You'd be yeah. even though I like this movie, you would see the Zohan in there. <laughs> oh, Zohan was such a funny movie. Zohan would be the juggernaut of 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 the ghosts. Yeah. But I can I, I can see that, and I do like that you said that the two kids are the ones from Mr. – you said from Big Daddy? Yeah. Yeah. Remember? I could wipe my own ass. Yeah. I, I like that. I, that's one of the few Adam Sandler movies that I actually really like. And Rob Schneider doing his shtick as Matthew – because Matthew Lillard is supposed to be the over-the-top character in that yeah. movie, so you're going to have him. Now, is, is Adam Sandler – is he like pretty much the straight man in this whole thing? And and all the ghosts are the ones that are kind of like, uh, yeah, eccentric and annoying ones. And he's kind of like, I guess he's, he'd be kind of like Deeds from, or not Deeds, like uh, Big Daddy from Big Daddy. He's just kind of like the normal-ish kind of guy. I'd say he's more like uh, his character from Grown Ups. I've never watched that. I've made it a point not to watch that movie. It's not as bad as people make it out to be. I had this exact conversation with a friend of mine last night, and he said the exact same thing. But I, I mean, know. it's I, not like great by any means, but it's not a bad movie. Well, maybe I'll have to watch and be the judge of that. And if I don't like it, then that will be our other horror movie that we review. I don't think Gross is a horror movie, but <laughs> I'll I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> All right. Well, I like it. I I, I like that. I, I I dig the the idea. Yeah. Let me bring up my notes, because uh, I, I decided last minute last night that uh, this would be a good first one. Yeah, you're doing John Carpenter's Halloween, mm-hmm. but as if it was directed by Wes Craven. 
I think you gave me two so stipulations, I, and one was that it had to be directed by Wes Craven, and the other one it was that it had to have Annie as the final girl. Yeah, because she seems more like a final girl that Wes Craven would have, and let's see Michael with some personality. All right. Well, I wrote all this out, so now picture this as, as the intro for Wes Craven's Halloween 1978. So... Instead of the first-person view of Michael killing his sister and boyfriend from the beginning, the movie starts off with Judith and her boyfriend watching a horror movie in the living room, drinking beer, making out, all that business. Typical teenage stuff. Things get hot and heavy, and eventually they go upstairs into Judith's bedroom. Leaving, They leave the TV on and the beer and snacks and everything out on the table. And after they leave the room empty, we see the silhouette of somebody enter the living room. As the TV plays, we hear a fake-out jump scare on the TV, some, uh, the movie that they had playing. Jump-out scare happening, and as the movie's playing, one of the characters says, It's Halloween, everyone's entitled to one good scare. Upstairs, right. Judith, Judith insists that her boyfriend uses a condom when they're in the middle of having sex. So he leaves the room, and he goes to get one from his car. He has a condom in his car. He goes to leave. The front door locks when he goes out into the front yard. The boyfriend is trying to come back in. The door is locked, and he's getting upset. He starts getting frustrated when the door won't open. He starts cursing, getting pissed off. But eventually, the door unlocks and slowly opens. The dude rushes upstairs, excited, opens the door, and sees Judith under the covers, hidden completely under the blanket covers. He throws the blankets off her to find her with her throat slit and multiple stab wounds. He backs away slowly, backs into somebody, turns around and sees Michael in his clown costume. Michael says trick or treat and he stabs Judith's boyfriend. Boyfriend makes his way to the end of the stairs limping from his stab wound. Michael catches up to him, pushes him down the stairs and finish him, finishes him off at the bottom of the stairs. The parents eventually come home and Michael walks out onto the lawn. At first they don't notice the knife at his side. When they get closer they notice he's covered in blood and the knife on him. The father takes off Michael's masks and we see Michael's face father says michael what did you do michael smiles looking forward says everyone is entitled to one good scare and and then the title and then the title sequence so michael is the one that gives the movie its tagline the everyone is entitled to one good scare okay yeah i like that and um so already Michael's already talking. He says the trick or treat as he stabs his boyfriend, throws him down the stairs. And we hear the reason why he says everyone's entitled to one good scare is that he got it from the TV that was playing after his sister and boyfriend run upstairs. He heard that from the TV and then he pretty okay. much says it. Yeah. So all right. that's the intro sequence. I was pretty happy with that as the intro sequence. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm already in, yeah. I'm in my gro- that's when I started getting into my groove when I started writing this. Yeah. I'm like, all right, I know exactly how I'm going to get this going. So. A good portion of the next 10 minutes is kind of the same as from the movie. Uh, Dr. Loomis goes to check on the asylum where Michael escaped from, except now we actually see Michael's room. We, we get a, a glimpse into Michael Myers' insane room. Surprisingly, it's very well kept and clean until Loomis goes to Michael's notebook that's amongst his things on the desk, and he opens it up, and inside is murderous like cartoon comic things that he's drawn of that horrific night years ago. So okay. Mike, so Michael has been drawing comics and, 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 and drawing murderous things in his notebook. Right. Back in Haddonfield, it's Annie that is stalked by Michael because in the beginning, in the original, Lori goes and drops off a key over at the Myers house, correct? Yeah. Now, 
Instead, Lori is hesitant to drop off the key at the Myers house, having heard rumors about it. So Annie grabs the key from uh, Lori and drops it off for her. So Michael actually sees Annie going up to his house and doing that stuff. And that's the reason why he kind of imprints on her instead. All right, sounds good. So So now he is stalking Annie. It is now Annie, not Laurie, who wants to see... Okay. Now, instead of his trademark mask that he's currently known for, the William Shatner mask, he still has the overalls that he got from killing a trucker guy, and he stole his overalls. But he's now found and is wearing the clown mask similar to the one that he wore as a child. Okay. So that's the difference in his look, is that he still wears the overalls, but he's wearing the mask from when he was... It might be a little bit of a different mask, but it's essentially the same kind of like a clown mask. Similar to his childhood mask, okay. Yes. At this point, I think uh, in the directing thing, he'd be like, all right, he's obviously obsessed with that night, so he would get at least a mask that was being worn at that night. Yeah. So, uh, throughout the day, Annie becomes more and more scared as she sees Michael stalking her, kind of like how he stalked Lori. She sees him out of the corner of her eye, sees him like outside the window of, at school. Yeah. Now, nobody believes her, and Paul, her boyfriend, insists that it's probably one of her friends giving her a Halloween scare. Like, just trying to freak her out. Yeah. He gives her a pocket knife and tells her to keep it on her just to be safe if it makes her feel better. She reluctantly agrees because they're in school and she's saying how they could both be expelled if she or him is caught with, like, a knife or something in school. But she reluctantly agrees. She's freaked out enough that she keeps the knife on her and she goes about, like, her day as usual. All right. All right, so not wanting to be alone on Halloween, everybody's basically doing what they were doing that night. Uh, Lori is babysitting Tommy. She's set to babysit Lindsay and uh, uh, the other two. What, what, what They had other the other two Linda. friends. Yeah, the, Linda the, is banging Bob. Yeah. Those two are actually off. They're doing their own thing in this thing. Okay. Uh, they don't go to the Wallace's house. They're, they're, they're off doing their own thing. I'm going to say that they live just a couple houses down. They can still get killed kind of in a similar way, um, but uh, that they are essentially not as important in this in this story. Okay. So she doesn't want to be alone aside with Lindsay. Annie goes to drop Lindsay off so she can spend the night with her boyfriend so she can feel a little bit safer. All right. So, uh, so Annie goes to drop Lindsay off over at Lori's house. She goes and knocks on the door. Nobody answers. Knocks on the door, rings the doorbell. Nobody answers. Now she knows that Lindsay, or she knows that Lori keeps a key under their mat and stuff like that. So she goes and unlocks the door, comes inside, calling for Lori, calling for Tommy. Nothing, no answer. Looking around, the TV's on. There's a half-finished jack-o'-lantern on the uh, on the kitchen counter over there, but there's no Lori and no Tommy. She goes upstairs, still looking for her. She calls out for Lori, no answer, no Tommy. And Annie goes upstairs to where she sees Lori is the one that is dead on the bed with Judith's headstone splayed across the bed. So it's Lori. Lori is the one who dies and has that tombstone thing. Okay. Which if they were to remake that, that would be, I think that would be appropriate. Yeah. If they were gonna, if they were going to remake Halloween in, in which this happened, and say, all right, well, Lori's gonna die. I think it would be appropriate that that headstone would be the one that's on her bed. Yeah. So terrified, Lindsay and Annie, uh, they see and they're freaked out. Oh my God, Lori's dead. Uh, they back out into the upstairs hallway. Now, from down the hallway, from another bedroom, the door opens as we see Michael standing over the lifeless body of Tommy Doyle. He killed Tommy as well. 
Oh, he killed a kid in this one? Yep, he killed a kid. He's the boogeyman. Oof. He killed Tommy Doyle. Michael is standing looking at Annie and says, Honey, you're home early, I swear. It's not what it looks like. Give him a little personality. Right. Yeah. And he starts walking towards Lindsay and Annie. Annie pushes Lindsay towards the stairs, telling her to run and get help. And she'll be right behind her. Halfway down the stairs, Michael pushes Annie halfway down and she hurts her leg. She tells Lindsay to keep on running, that she'll be fine. She'll be right behind her. Getting ready to stab her, Michael's about to get ready to stab Annie. She, Annie grabs the pocket knife that Paul had given her earlier and stabs Michael in the neck. Okay. Michael is much more verbal in regards to getting wounds inflicted upon him. Not not like Freddy Krueger, in which he would call her a bitch or anything like that, but he responds more like a combination of Joker with and somebody else in which when he gets stabbed, it's kind of like a pain mixed with pleasure kind of sounds that he makes. Uh, that he's getting a weird kind of pleasure from it and maybe a gentle laughter. Not straight up laughter, but uh, kind of like a mumbled laughter as he's when he gets hurt. All right, yeah. Meanwhile, Lindsay runs into Loomis as she's running back towards her house. Loomis had been in doing his investigations like he had been doing throughout uh, the original, and much like how he came across the screaming children in the first one, he only comes across Lindsay in this one, freaking out. Yeah. Through cries, she tells Loomis what just transpired, and Loomis looks across the street and sees Myers through the half-open front door and from the windows chasing down Annie, who is now up and limping away. In the kitchen... Annie grabs a knife that was being used for a jack-o'-lantern carving, very similar to the one that Michael is using now, and is standing facing Michael. So they're both standing towards each other, holding similar knives at each other. Yeah. Through heavy, almost kind of sexual, sensual breathing, Michael starts toying with Annie, making like half-hearted swipes at her and just kind of playing with her a little bit. Annie, being okay. cornered, she attempts to dart past him only for Michael to grab her and throws her to the ground at his feet. Gearing up, getting ready to stab her, Loomis yells, Michael! Michael turns and looks at him, and Loomis shoots him. How many times? Six times. Six goddamn times. He loops up, and, and, and Loomis shoots him six times. Michael falls onto the kitchen table, splayed out, st still half-heartedly making that same kind of heavy-breathing, gurgled kind of la uh, half-hearted laughter as he's splayed out on the table. Loomis grabs Annie and takes her outside where the frightened Lindsay is waiting for them. After a few moments, authorities arrive and Loomis explains what happened and he tells them that Michael is in the kitchen. Police go inside and come back to say that nobody is there, Michael is gone, and no one knows to where. And right. that is that is Halloween as directed by Wes Craven. That's Wes Craven's Halloween. Wes Craven's Halloween, which is very similar to John Carpenter's, but with a little bit of differences in terms of who the final girl is. Oh, yeah. uh, Michael is much more verbal in this one, and he's getting some kind of because if I'm not mistaken, I think one of the things people said that uh, like the heavy breathing that, that yeah. Michael had in the first one kind of sounded like it was kind of sounded sexual. So, yeah, like he was getting pleasure from yes. what he was doing. So, yeah. so I'm accentuating that a little bit. Not straight out in which he would make uh, sexual remarks like Freddy, but he, yeah. but in the way he's breathing and the way he reacts when he's getting stabbed, it's kind of like a sexual pain yeah. and pleasure from him. And he says, yeah. he said, he's the one who gives us the iconic, uh, everyone is entitled to one good scare. And he even says like, uh, uh, when, when, and he comes and see him like, oh, honey, you're home. I wasn't expecting you. I swear it's not what it looks like. He doesn't say a lot of lines. He does. Unlike Freddie, yeah. where everything he says is a quip, yeah. he says it sparingly. And got that good balance. And even having him like toy with Annie a little bit is. Yeah. 
more Craven esque than Carpenter. I was I was kind of happy with that one that that I was once I started getting into the groove writing I was like all right and I probably would have had a, a couple of more little things in there at one point I was thinking all right who am I going to recast this as at one point I was thinking that John Travolta was going to be in this John Travolta as Michael Myers no not as Michael Myers but as a oh no just as, I would buy tickets to see him play Michael Myers no because this was in 1978 so uh, John Travolta would have probably played like one of the boyfriends or something. Oh yeah, you're the teen. So he would have played either John Travolta nowadays. Like he would have played either um, Judith's boyfriend who gets killed at the very beginning, or he would have played uh, Paul. Yeah. So not as many kills, I don't think. But the fact that Laurie dies and he also killed a kid. Yeah. Is, is definitely a little bit different. I don't know if if Craven would make it so that he'd kill a kid, but I think some of the other stuff is a little bit more Craven. Especially like the beginning part with Judith and actually seeing them like drinking and and partying and going to have yeah. sex and stuff like that. That's a very craven thing to have. I uh, feel like this would probably have more gore with the kills too. Um, so I guess so. Straight away, yeah, Carpenter straight away from that while Craven would kind of. Yeah. He's more of a gory person. So I like these and I think that we should keep doing them. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. When you told me my uh, stipulation for 13 ghosts, I was a little worried. I was like, "Oh, that's because." So weirdly, I think it could work. Ass. Weirdly, yeah, I think it could work. Once I started writing, I'm like, "Oh, all right, yeah." If Adam this Sandler could obviously movie. make this work, yeah. Adam Sandler would definitely make this movie work. Now, to those listening, if you guys enjoy this segment, tell us what movies that you would like to see us rewrite and in what way. And anything is on the table. Just tell us what the stipulations are for the rewrite, and we'll do our best to do it. But in the meantime, what is the next one that we're going to be coming out with? What's going to be the next one that you do? Or actually, give me the next one that you want me to do, and I'll tell you the next one I want you to work on. Okay, uh, let's see. Unless you have a different one that you want to... Let's do the... Uh, I want you to do the Fear Street one next. So, uh, what was the stipulations for the Fear Street one? Uh, you're changing the survivors from the girlfriends to the stoner couple, basically. The stoner platonic friends? Yeah. Which I love the fact, that, just of that Fear Street thing, just on a little thing, I just love the fact that they made them, like, they're boy, they're boy and girl, but they weren't together. They were just really good pothead friends. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, they and- sell drugs together. And I think the next one I want you to do, it was between The Mist and what was the other one? Oh, it was Michael. It was Halloween Kills in which, okay, Michael that's Myers the one That's the one I want you to work on. So Halloween Kills? Halloween Kills in which in the 2018 one, Michael actually does die in that fire, but you need to still make another horror movie still called Halloween Kills based on the yeah. events that happened right after that. All right. And again, if anybody wants us to do anything specific let us know this was fun uh, i like this this th- i'm hoping this will be a recurring feature yeah this one was actually a lot of fun to do and in the meantime these will be coming out in december and for those of you guys who are still following us season two coming up shortly starting in january starting in january we already have a good lineup all the way up until uh valentine's day if i think you said uh i think it's the uh, first week of february as right now but we still got plenty and plenty more to come. And, you know, 
we'll hopefully hopefully be back with a brand new logo and a brand new well pretty uh, a lot of brand news coming up i'll just say that yeah it's very exciting stuff happening here at body bag podcast and not to mention upcoming christmas time we'll be having a special giveaway for anybody who wants to participate if you've been listening you know that we've been having various authors on the podcast and they've all been kind enough to give us autographed copies of their book and that along with a couple of other goodies are going to be part of a prize package in an upcoming contest so stay tuned for that all right everybody have a good night have a good night or morning or wherever it is you're having to be listening whatever time it is where you're at what's good everybody and welcome to not body bag bod i'm gonna read that's body bag bod body bag pod okay (laughs) retry that one What's good, everybody, and welcome to not Body Bag Podcast, but Body Bag Rewrites. We got way too... I should probably say who's here. With me, Chris Thomas, and Broke Writer Dave, as always. We got way too... Uh, in. Jeez, uh, I needed to... You know, I'm going to do this one one more time because I need to think about how to intro this thing. What's good, everybody, and welcome to Body Bag Podcast. With me, as always, Broke Writer Dave... I didn't even say my name! <laughs> Damn it. I mean, it's been a while since we recorded, so... It's been been about two weeks. What's good, everybody, and welcome to Body Bag Podcast. I'm Chris Thomas. (laughs) Jesus Christ. This is going to take forever. All right.